Part 2, Session 11, October 25th, 2012. I always get terribly depressed this time of year, for obvious reasons. If I don't turn up next week, you know why. Try not to worry too much. Though in saying that, I really don't think you're the worrying type. Anyway, if I thought I was messed up before the accident, I had no idea how utterly fucked I'd feel after. Yeah, Walter's death had shaken me up pretty bad, but it wasn't something that I could blame myself for. This, this was something completely different. It was something I definitely could and did blame myself for. I still do. We caused the little girl's death. Inadvertently, yeah, but still, we fucking killed her. Heather got it the worst of us, and James, well, I'll get to James. Heather wouldn't leave the house for weeks. Would announce to the phone. Hell, I even wrote her a letter that I dropped in her mailbox late one night. She wouldn't respond. Obviously, the whole town knew of little Angie Stevens' death, though nobody apart from the four of us knew exactly what had gone down. It was like the power had erased or muddled everyone else's memory of that small window in time. They were dancing and drinking, then Brandon's kid sister was pinned beneath a burning branch, crushed and on fire. Fuck. Sorry, I just gotta take a moment. Okay, okay. I think I'm alright now. Well, as alright as I can ever be, I guess. Okay, I kinda don't know where to start with this. There's just so many things to cover, you know. Anyway, while Heather was shunning me, I was trying to shun James and Carl. They didn't seem to be affected negatively by what happened on Halloween. In fact, it was quite the opposite. James seemed to revel in the kid's death. He was furious that both myself and Heather didn't seem to take it as a positive. In his mind, we had proven we were unstoppable, an occult force to be reckoned with. Carl stuck by James. I think deep down he knew it was sick what we had done, but his loyalty to James outweighed any misgivings he may have had. I did my best to keep my distance, but James had an uncanny ability to just always be there. He was there when I got books out of my locker, and was there when I got out of class after the last bell rang. He knew Heather wasn't budging, and tried to muscle me into getting her to come out and meet up with us. She hadn't been at school in days. I would mumble some cheap excuse, and James would look at me with fury brewing behind those blue eyes. I think he would have been much more forceful if he had realised that without Heather, we were near nothing. Still, he wouldn't cease to persist. One Thursday evening, the phone rang. I happened to be walking past on my way to the fridge for a coke. It was Heather. Relief flooded through me, and an immense tenseness I hadn't completely realised was there evaporated. God, what a blessing it was to hear her voice, even if she did sound timid, weak, and worryingly fragile, as if she would crumble to dust if she so much as tripped over. Hello, Mark? Heather, oh my God, I'm so relieved you called. I was going out of my mind, seriously. On the other end of a line, she softly sighed. Heather? Mark, we need to talk. Can you come over? Yeah, of course. I just tell Mom and Dad where I'm going. I'll be over as soon as I can. Okay. The call disconnected. I ran all the way to Heather's house. My sneakers pounded on the sidewalk, and my lungs felt as if they were on fire. As I slowed to a breathless walk and cut across her lawn, the front door opened and Heather ushered me in. I was shocked at her appearance. Her face was gaunt and pale, her eyes sunken and dim. 
Her usually lustrous hair was dull and fell in unbrushed clumps. Hi, Mark. Let's go upstairs. What? No hug, no kiss, not even on the cheek? Something was seriously wrong here. She was breaking out with me, I just knew it. See how neurotic I've always been? Any hint of doubt and automatically I assume the worst. I could hear the television in the den, where I guessed her parents were. I followed her upstairs, my stomach tying itself in intricate knots. She led me to her bedroom and closed the door. This was usually a sign that we were going to make out, but I really didn't think so this time. Heather sat down on the bed and buried her face in her hands. I took a seat beside her and placed an arm around her shoulders. She pressed her face against my chest and started sobbing. Oh, Mark, what have we done? I didn't say anything. I just pulled her closer. What could I say? That we had basically murdered an innocent little girl? She stared at me with wounded eyes, and they cut straight to the bone. I don't think this is over. I don't know if it ever can be. And I don't just mean the nightmare memories and horrific guilt. I know that will always be there, without a shadow of a doubt. That little girl will haunt me for the rest of my life. She'll be there in my head every second of every day, forever asking, why? I know, Heather. I started to cry, too. Is it okay if we pick this up next week, Mark? Time's up, I'm afraid.